Welcome to the Human Resources for Small Business Podcast, presented by Zenium HR. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Whether you're an HR professional or a small business leader, each episode of this podcast is designed to bring you the latest in technical HR and leadership at your convenience. More content is available on our website at www.zeniumhr.com. Let's dive into today's topic. Welcome to the HR for Small Business podcast. This is your host, Brandon Laws. I have two guests with me today, Jenny Skoll and Annie Oxenfeld. Both of them are HR business partners at Zenium, and we are going to talk about their past as in-house HR, HR managers, really. And then now, uh, being with Zenium, they are consultants. So I want to get some perspective on what that trans- transition's been like and what it's been like in the past versus now and, and what that means as far as like client-facing or, or just for a business, what it, what it really means. So... Annie, let's start with you. Define what you did in your last role, just from uh, a perspective of being in-house. Sure. So I was the HR manager for a nonprofit in Portland, about 150 employees. And there were three different locations in the Portland area. So I really managed the entire function of HR for, for that company. So I was part of the executive team as well to kind of lend an HR perspective to what was happening with the business and then supervised one employee in the HR department. So we were a team of two. And we really were a comprehensive department, everything, you know, heavy on the recruiting side, a lot of employee relations, you know, a few, a few investigations here and there, you know, benefits, administration, open enrollment, all that stuff. So anything that was HR fell under, fell under me. So, so you, you said 150 employees in the company. Mm-hmm to HR internal. Yeah. What was the other person's level compared to yours? They were, it was a coordinator level. Okay. So that person focused heavily on the recruiting side yeah. and then, you know, onboarding, benefit administration, all that good stuff. So there was a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of turnover as is kind of common in, in, in nonprofit industries. But so there was a constant influx of resumes and screening, all that stuff. So that person really championed that, interviewing, phone screens, all that good stuff. Excellent. So. We'll, we'll dive in deeper as to what, what you did, but I want to hear from Jenny as to what you did before coming to Zenium. Yeah, so I was a HR manager for a healthcare clinic in the Portland area. We had about 650 employees there was a, um, I manage a team of four, so I worked pretty close with the management team on performance management, uh, employee relations, assisting with the recruiting, benefit administration, so kind of leading that process, uh, really doing the whole, you know, training compliance policies, working with administrative staff on getting, you know, the HR function in place for the clinic. And yeah, so that's pretty much what I did there. The four people you reported to, what were their specific roles? 
Yes, yeah, so we had an HR assistant who kind of did, you know, the filing, the phones, really kind of that day-to-day stuff. And then we had two other HR um, rep levels, so they were kind of doing, you know, administering the family medical leave, assisting with recruiting. We, too, had um, quite a bit of turnover. Um, it's pretty common in, in the industry I was in. So, you know, we kind of had the recruiting split on, you know, the different uh, HR reps would handle kind of different specialties. And then really the day-to-day um, portion of the benefits, so... Quite a full book, that's for sure. Do you feel like with everybody's role and then your role too that you had maybe a lack of resources at times and you're kind of spread so thin? Or did you have access to other resources from an HR perspective? I think it really just kind of ebbed and flowed. I mean, we had, you know, different different times of the year. We'd have more, you know, during open enrollment, for yeah. example, you know, 650 employees and we, had, we were on a, we did a wellness um a wellness committee as well, so we kind of manage all of that. So, you know, during those periods of time, it was, we felt a little, you know, short-staffed. And being that our clinic grew, we kind of doubled in size throughout the time I was there. So within six years, uh, we doubled in size. So we were, our roles were changing. Yeah. Annie, back to you. What what about your role back at the other company? What, What did you do specifically? Yeah, so it was a lot of, there was a compliance side of it, so a lot of proactive research to make sure that we were in compliance. There was a lot of employee relations, coaching managers. The managers are pretty green, which, I, again, I think is common where people get, they do really well in the, in the role that they're, they start in and then get promoted up to a management role and maybe don't have some of the background and skill set that, you know, it's needed for a management role. So a lot of kind of coaching and supporting managers and just really a lot of, you know, communication with employees, you know, corrective action, those coaching conversations that can be difficult if you're a new manager to really understand the best way to do that. It can be kind of, it's a learning curve. So supporting managers on that, you know, leading the the benefit open enrollments for that. And, you know, a lot of supporting just any kind of questions that came in. I mean, it was just heavy, heavy interaction with managers and employees. So, so you felt like a lot of what you did was sort of the reactive, like day-to-day employee relations and just answering questions. Yeah, yeah. So it got to the point, you know, after a couple of years of that, it got to the point where with the rest of the executive team, we were able to kind of say, we want to get beyond this and started doing some culture work. So I led some focus groups um, with another colleague to kind of get a sense from people what they were feeling about working there. And we tried to kind of translate translate that into, you know, what could we do differently? How could we improve? We did an annual um, satisfaction survey with employees, too, out of our department. And so, you know, analyzing that and really all the metrics that go with that, turnover, everything like that. So it started to get a little bit more strategic because it was that kind of reactive mode. So thinking about how can we train managers, what tools do they need, where can we go to kind of get beyond some of those. Did you feel like with the the day-to-day reactive type of stuff that you did have, it sounds like you had a chance to spend a lot of time on the strategic, like the the surveys and just some other high-level stuff. Did you ever feel like the the balance got out of whack at, at times? In terms of in terms of just the the day to day stuff was so overwhelming yeah. that you just didn't have time to focus on a lot of the stuff that you wanted to. Yeah, definitely. You know, there's so many details that go into it, and you have to be thinking about everything. So, yeah, there were definitely times, especially when it got really busy, if it was open enrollment or 
times of the year that, you know, this, just the survey itself was a huge <clears throat> undertaking and, um, you know, certain times of the year were definitely a lot busier and if there were multiple employee relations things going on, um, I did a lot of kind of reading through documentation that managers were doing so I would put my eyes on pretty much everything that was going to be presented to an employee. So that took a lot, that takes a lot of time. And yeah, so I think that, yeah, there were times when that balance was kind of off kilter, but. Let's kind of switch gears a little bit. You guys have both sort of similar roles at Zenium. Jenny, I want to hear from you first, but what what is your role? Just to kind of define what you do on a regular basis, because I do want to tie it back to like how different it is. So we'll, we'll start with you on this one. Yeah, so now it's, it's quite a bit different because we have, you know, a, a manage a book of business. So you're working with a variety of, of different clients. Each small business, uh, their needs just really vary. So each client could require you or, or request you to do certain things that other clients don't even need or, you know, maybe care about. So, you know, we could be doing anything from investigations for a client, you know, coaching managers on best ways to talk with their staff assisting them with how to do a proper documentation. Sometimes clients want orientation done for them. So you're, you're really doing a variety of, of different tasks for each client. Annie, what would you add to that? Yeah, same kind of thing. I mean, it's just there's a big variety, you know, whereas with, with when you're internal, you get to know that company really well pretty quickly. Whereas when you're in a consulting role like this, it's it's much more of a give and take where you're kind of learning each client as you go. And so when you start in this role, it's a huge learning curve just to kind of get to know what makes each client tick and what they where they really see value. So something that you might see like in an internal environment, for instance, where you might have more control over like this is what we're doing or this is this is the initiative I'm going to push forward with this you know in a in a consulting role you're just recommending that and they could take it or leave it so because they still make the decisions right. at the end of the day exactly yeah because yeah, they are the decision makers and we're here to advise on best practice so there's a, an element of kind of letting go a little bit in this role whereas when you're internal you, you kind of own a bit more I think because you you have more decision making power but yeah I mean I think it's just it's responding to the needs of you know the variety of clients that you have that's that's the job you mentioned the fact that well at least this is what I kind of gleaned from what you just said ramping up with and being a consultant with all of your clients is probably difficult in the beginning because you really got to get to know them and you got to know a lot of them because there's what I mean, 20 to 30 clients that you probably have. Right, yeah. So when you have time to really integrate yourself in the business on the in-house side versus the consultant side, what kind of tricks do you, have you learned or, or maybe even in your onboarding processes, any, like how did you integrate with those clients and try to learn as much as you possibly could about them to make them feel that you're part of the leadership team or part of their employee group, even though you're really, you're just an outside consultant? Yeah, I mean, I, I've really felt that, um, you know, doing interviews with the managers and really just getting to know them as, as a person and how they operate, what they prefer, kind of their their personalities has really helped. And then some of the larger clients, you know, really having the opportunity to meet the staff too because I feel that that's really important to know the employees and the managers of the business. And then you also need to know how the business operates and the roles that each of these people hold. 
Um, so I felt that that's really been um, big for me, especially being newer. I, you know, come into this world and, and don't really know um, what what this job is. So that really helped me. I really like to understand, you know, what I'm getting into. So, you know, when I first started, I would go on their websites and learn about the business, read about their mission, kind of see who the key players are, and then really try to schedule that FaceTime with, with the clients to get to know them uh, on a personal level. So you can kind of learn how to how you want to work with them and how they're best going to you know receive um, information that you want to share with them so yeah I'd say um, for some of my bigger clients I'll go on a regular basis to their manager meetings or their all staff meetings to just have that FaceTime. I also found that you know it it does take time and it, sometimes it takes a crisis so if you're there when they need you to be there then that kind of builds that trust. So if they have a big investigation or something and you're right there and you're able to provide them with really good quality service, then that kind of encourages them to come to you more often and you kind of start building it that way. So sometimes they don't really know what they need you for until until they need you. And then that's kind of when you're in the midst <laughs> of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's when you're kind of doing the real relationship building because you're you're working through something together. So um, so I found that, yeah, for those newer relationships, responding quickly to stuff that's important really makes a difference in building that relationship. Well, let's talk about resources. I imagine the resources that you have access to would be quite a bit different. It depends on where you're coming from, like from an in-house, because if you have a lot of budgetary resources, you probably have access to whatever you need to do the job right. But on the consultancy side, you have, it's more like, people that are your resource, right? So talk about the differences between the people side of resources and also the, the monetary side or even tools, if you will. And just talk, just talk about that from like what the differences are. Yeah, so I, I'd say for me, at least, it was a huge, a huge difference because where I was before, I reported to the COO who didn't have a background in HR. So if I didn't know what to do or if I didn't have an answer to something, I had to go external. And so sometimes that would be an attorney or a bully or a lot of research online, which is time consuming, which, you know, you still have to do as, an, as a consultant. Sometimes we, we call legal and, and do research. But um, when you're on a team of HR professionals, like, you, like in this type of a role, you just have so many people who, I mean, you've got a depth of experience that you couldn't even ever have in an internal HR department. So it's literally just walking around and asking people, um, have you ever had this come up before? Have you, or, you know, asking, they'll say, oh, I think this person had something come up like that last month, you know, and it's just something that you get that. And I, I like that better instead of, you know, talking to someone that you don't really know because you, you don't, it, a lot of times HR is kind of a gray area. So you want to get advice from somebody that you know and trust instead of having to kind of ask a stranger or, you know, that's my take on it. But I mean, I, I definitely agree. The same sort of thing. Um, my 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 direct manager did have an HR background, so lucky luckily I had that as a resource. But oftentimes, you know, her, as our roles grew, she you know her role transitioned as well. So you're kind of the final decision maker on certain things. And when you're, I like to bounce ideas off of people, so I'm really was utilizing my staff quite a bit. Um, but ultimately, I was the manager, so any decision that I made. It, 
was, you know, the decision that I made. And, you know, we would often um, call legal if we needed. But coming here, it was just great. I mean, I've already learned a ton just from uh, having all of the resources available here and everybody's different levels of experiences and um, stories that they've shared. So if we have, you know, an issue that has come up before where we'll send an email to the whole team, hey, is, you know, my client's looking for this information or, or what have you done in this situation? You know, just everybody's so willing to help and, and say, oh, I, you know, this is, this is how I, this is how I dealt with it. You know, do you want to meet? Do you want to talk about it? You know, or dropping policies by my desk. Oh, this is from a client that I've used in the past. So it's been great to be able to have that uh, different level of, of resources here. So both of you come from pretty similar experiences where you were leading a team. Jenny, you were leading four people. Annie, you were leading another person or two people, just one, yeah, one person. One. So you were the top-notch HR person in, in-house. But when you come to a consultancy, you're no longer number one. You're in a sea of HR people <laughs> who are very good at what they do. What is that like? To, to I almost relate it to sports back in the day. You're, like, you're so good maybe on your little high school team, but you go to college and then all of a sudden everybody's that much better. What What is that transition like? I mean, I personally like it. It's humbling, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I really like it because, I, I mean, I, I've seriously learned a ton since I've joined Thinium. Just the the depth of knowledge, like Annie said, is just crazy. And so for me, it I'm learning all over again. And there's so many things that, you know, in, when you're in one industry, you know, there's certain things that you maybe will... Um, I don't know, tune out because it doesn't really apply to you. And so there's a lot of missed opportunities that I had, you know, working for one company because I didn't really need to know. And, you know, of course, everybody wants to know as much as they can. But in reality, you don't have time to learn everything. But in this role, uh, you really need to know almost everything because you have so many different clients with different backgrounds that it may come up one day. So I feel like everything I hear, I'm just like a sponge. I'm just like gathering all this information and I'm saving how do you emails. Pro- how do you and process all that though? Like what is there a I way mean, I, I, I mean, I try to review most of it, but I mean, I keep folders on my email. I'm saving, you know, re- like I call it resources. And if I ever need it one day, it's there. And, you know, just at least the knowledge of knowing it. And then, you know, maybe you would have to do further research, obviously, if the situation come up. But it, it's just... You know, I just feel like I'm just listening to everything and <laughs> saving all my emails. And <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. I I love I love it because you're just it's it's like boot camp. It's I mean, you just you're exposed to so many more situations and more it quickly. Fast, happens yeah. fast. You know, I one client I'm thinking of in particular probably in a month have more investigations than I did a year working at somewhere else. Um, not that you want to have a bunch, but it gives you that exposure and that experience and you just, you're just in it, in the thick of it all the time. And so you're constantly developing and learning. And so, yeah, and I'm laughing because I do the same thing. I have a resources <laughs> folder in my email and I, that's where, yeah, and you know, it's hard to keep up with everything sometimes, but just the, the breadth of experience that you're getting from all these different types of clients, you have, you do have to know so much more like every time you kind of have to think, okay, how many does, how many employees does this client have? Um, do these laws apply to this, this client? So you're constantly on your toes, which I like because I like that continuous feeling of learning. And I love that there's people here that I can say, run situations by or, hey, I'm thinking about this approach. How, what do you think? And I really appreciate that because it's, it, they're big decisions. And so it helps to feel like you've got 
got a support around you and to say, oh, maybe try it differently or try it this way, to feel like you have support in, in making those recommendations for things that get a little bit sticky, it, it just helps you be more confident. So There's always a downside to wherever you're at. Tell Annie, we'll start with you. Tell me about something that drove you completely crazy about being in-house, and then I want you to do the same for the consultancy. I think it was really hard being in-house. It was hard to shake that negative perception of HR. Um, like the finger-wagging yeah. the department of no. Yeah. I think I mentioned that the company I worked for had three separate locations. So I was housed mm-hmm. at primarily at one. And although I would have office hours at another one, it, they weren't as frequent. And so people at that second location would often say to me <laughs> just freely, oh, I saw you coming and I thought, oh, better go get my box. Um, and it was just that constant, you know, feeling mm. that people don't like you. They don't want to be around you. <laughs> they think that you're only there for bad reasons. You know, so it was kind of a, a perception that you, no matter how many good things you tried to do, you couldn't really shake it. Jenny, what, what about you being in-house? What drove you nuts? Um, I think the biggest thing for me is when, you know, you're really working with a manager on a coaching issue or performance issue and you, you know, repeatedly giving them advice um, and giving them, you know, all the tools that they need to be able to have this difficult conversation. Um, and then, you know, let's face it, no one likes to give a difficult, you know, have a difficult conversation with an employee, but it doesn't happen, procrastination or someone's out or vacation or whatever happens, and then the manager comes back to you and they've, they're have they fed up and they want this employee gone, they want them terminated, um, and you walk through the steps, okay, how did that last conversation go? I remember working with you about a month ago, oh, I never had that. Um, you know, and then they're to the point where they're so frustrated that they want this person, this employee gone, and, you know, your role is to uh, manage risk and, um, you know, protect the company. And also, I mean, you have a sense to protect the employee too. And if, if the employee doesn't know their job's on the line, it's not really fair. And, you know, most companies don't want to um, have that, you know, perception that they just fire people. So I think that was really hard You because you work so much with them to get them all the tools and you help them do the write-up and you, and you help them. But you do everything besides just giving the conversation to the employee. So I think for me, that was probably the most frustrating piece. And then what does it look like as a consultant? When I first started, it's like, well, why do I do certain things for one client and then I don't do these same things for another client? So it's really getting out of that mindset that your HR, you do the whole gamut of HR. You do everything with every client when really you have to remove yourself from that in-house role and you have to remember you're a consultant and not every client you know, values HR or they don't need HR or you know, sometimes maybe they want to handle things their own way. So I think that part is, you know, just a learning curve in order to just get to know all of your clients and, and how they, you know, how they all tick and what they need you for. Um, so I think that piece for me was, or still is, yeah, kind of like, still why are they, why do they call me sometimes when they, you know, need coaching advice or, and then, then you see a termination come through and, and on a different issue that you didn't help on. So Yeah, I think every business, <laughs> to your point, we value HR differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And whether you're in-house or a consultant, I think uh, just the the type of HR that's needed is probably pretty customized Definitely by is. client or by business. Yeah, so I think for me it's kind of along the same lines of just not not being immersed in the culture. So 
a lot of times you get thrown a scenario mm -hmm. that you really have no context for. You don't know the employee that they're talking about. You don't know the history and so you of course try to get as much of that information as you can but it can feel just a little bit like uneasy because you're not you're not there you're not in the physical environment so you don't have all the context that you would in, a, in an internal environment internal HR you're you're really kind of in in the fabric of the politics of the office you're just you can't get out of it which is one thing I, I like about the consultant role but along with that you kind of get the nuance of the day-to-day -day workings of everything. So it's it takes a bit of an adjustment to step out of that and be completely a third party mm -hmm. and advising on situations that you're not necessarily, Talk you're not getting a complete picture. And you, you kind of alluded to this earlier, uh, but working with people, that's got to be pretty different in, in both types of roles. You said in the in-house, they see you walking in the hallway and they're like, okay, I'm packing my box up. So what is your relationship with the people in that organization being in-house versus as a consultant? And who, you're probably dealing with different people too. Yeah. So I'd say that with managers, you know, they'd be walking to go get coffee and see me. Oh, hey, by the way, I needed to, you know, and that turns into a half hour conversation. Um, so you get that FaceTime, you get that on-site presence um, that really helps you maintain those relationships with managers because everyone's busy and so it's kind of if you're there and you're available it encourages people to you know come talk to you more but at the same time there is that perception of HR I think that happens more internally so that's maybe got a negative stigma to it so maybe people are going to be challenging you a little bit more or not wanting to take your advice or kind of more resistant to, to what you, so, you know, coaching a manager on something basic like how to talk to your employee or addressing a performance issue because maybe they, they don't feel comfortable with it, they're going to push back. Whereas in the consultant role, I think that people tend to view you more as, I don't know, having, I don't know, being more knowledgeable, I guess, or maybe respecting that opinion more because you're, you are outside. So even if they decide not to go with your route, I still feel like my recommendations are always respected. So I think that that, that can be a difference. Let me, Jenny, I want to ask you, because we're kind of running short on time. I want to, I want to ask you something a little separately, and it probably is true for both of you. Schedule-wise, what does your day look like as an in-house person, and then what does it look like as a consultant? I imagine they're very, very different. Yeah, so, I mean, I think in-house you... You know, of course, things come up, um, you know, employee issues come up, um, managers call, your phone rings, but you have kind of more of a, a sense of, you know, if you're managing benefits, you know, I've got my invoices are due, I've got a couple jobs I need to recruit for, you kind of have more of a, I wouldn't say set schedule because I don't think in HR anything's ever set, um, but in this role you really have to be, in a consultant role you have to be, um, I mean, your phone can ring. You can get 10 different client calls in a day. You may think you have your day planned out, but um, you, you have so many different clients, all unrelated, calling about different things, um, emails coming in from, you know, 30-plus clients, um, and then sometimes employees on top of that. Um, so it's you just really have to be uh, move fast-paced and be on your toes. And, um, and in the consultant role, you're also traveling a lot, so you're not in – you know, you're not in an office environment from 8 to 5. You could really be 
three different clients in the same day, you're, you're in your car a lot, you're traveling around. Um, of course, you try to get back into the office as much as you can to be able to get the resources, you know, that we all have here. Um, but, but sometimes, I mean, there's days that, you know, we don't come to the office for, you know, two days, three days straight. So it's quite a bit different. Yeah, and I could speak to the fact that you guys are always out because <laughs> uh, I'm, you know, I'm, an I'm an office dweller myself and I get out occasionally, but I'm usually here and you guys are gone. It's like a ghost town um, <laughs> most of the times. Let me ask you this, like in terms of your schedule, because it does definitely sounds like being a consultant versus in-house, your schedule is more demanding because you don't know what's going to hit at any given moment and you've got to visit a lot of your clients. You see them face to face. Have you learned any tricks over the last I don't know how many months or how long you've been here about being efficient in your role from a consultant perspective. Um, I think for me, especially since I'm, you know, pretty new, I'm learning from, you know, kind of the, some of the people who have been here uh, longer. Um, but using some tricks on your Outlook calendar, you know, scheduling your drive time out, um, you know, not back-to-back, -back, uh, not scheduling back-to-back -back meetings, you know, that really gives you the opportunity to get out of a meeting, be able to kind of regroup, check your email, make those phone calls for, you know, emergency situations that have happened. Um, to jump back into another meeting. So, you know, really just kind of being, you know, strategic, I guess, and planning your day. I mean, if, if there's urgent things come up, obviously you might need to move some things around. But, you know, if you have, um, you know, meetings that clients want, maybe if your day is already looking a little scheduled or full and you're not needing it to happen that day, you can do it the next day. So, you know, really, I mean, Outlook is our best friend. I mean, you, it's on our cell phones, it's on the computer. We, you know, do the color coding for the different appointments that we have. So I think for me that's really helped and that's, a, you know, I, I obviously use my calendar in my past role, but it didn't fill up like it does now. So it, it's definitely different. Based on what Jenny just said, I'm sure a lot of that overlaps with you. But Annie, like, is there anything that you've done that's really streamlined your kind of your day to day? Yeah. So one thing I I did was I turned off the notification on yes. my Outlook for Good emails for as they come in because yeah. I was getting really distracted with that. And if you're trying to work on a project uh, and you see all the volume that's coming in, it's hard not to click on that. Another thing. I like to do is um, to schedule my projects on my calendar. So if I know, for instance, you know, handbooks coming back or something like that, I schedule time to review that so that I'm not booking out and then pushing projects out like that. And just remembering, like, I don't have to constantly check emails. So I try to, I try to be strategic about when I do that. Although it's difficult, sometimes you get out of a meeting and you've got thirty or forty emails. That's and the most frustrating. Do you ever come back and you're like, yeah, you're like, 50 how did emails that happen? Yeah. <laughs> of course, it's when you're in a meeting. Too. Yeah, it's, it's like, when you're in a meeting. See, I haven't learned that yet. I need to. I, I can't. I can't get off of the the reminder, so. You I, have to. It's, yeah, it's such know. a distraction. <laughs> That's what I hear. It's such a distraction. It makes such a the, difference. Not only the ding, that, or if you have yeah. sound on, but the pop-up window. Pop -up, That's yeah. just insane. Yeah. You can't use that. And what I found, too, is when you wait longer, a lot of times the issue gets resolved. Like, you'll see, you know, 10 emails That's on the same, same chain, yeah. and by the time you get to it, you really have little to do instead of, you know, jumping in there with, <laughs> with everyone else. So last question for you guys, it's kind of a biggie too. As business business needs change and as, I don't know, just HR just keeps changing, right? It's it's. I think it's not seen as the department of no anymore. It's more seen as like, hey, we have a seat at the table in the leadership, the leadership executive group and, you know, it's more strategic. So what do you think like long-term, short-term, uh, what 
are HR going to be, is it going to be more in-house? Is it going to be more consultants? Is it going to be a combination of both? Where is it, where is it all going? You know, that's a good question. Um, I think for, I mean, in my opinion, for larger organizations, I feel that, you know, an HR department is probably necessary, you know, for 500 plus employees. I, I think that, you know, they probably have a team of, you know, at least maybe five, five to ten for larger organizations. Um, but I think that, you know, the small companies that, especially the companies that we represent, I think they value our model. Um, they get a whole whole variety from, you know, VP of HR down to HR assistants to be able to support them. And the small, you know, small businesses maybe don't have the resources to have in-house HR, and they like the fact that we are a third party. Um, that's kind of some of the feedback I've gotten. They really value that we're a neutral third party and that everybody feels comfortable coming to talk to us. Um, I mean, I, I see our, our model being very popular um, for, you know, smaller businesses um, continuous. Yeah, I mean, I think that we're seeing that more and more that this model really works because the the companies are able to get what they need and not have to have a full-time person there for the stuff that they don't necessarily value or prioritize. And they're also getting, like Jenny said, that depth of resource of pretty much an entire HR department behind behind them when they need it. And then when they don't, that's fine too. So I think that it it really... I think it is becoming more and more of a popular model um, that companies are responding to. You guys are awesome. This is—I honestly feel like we could have talked for an hour on this. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're we're over where we usually go. Um, but I want to—I want to ask you one last thing, or it's more of a just kind of a close for the people listening. If they're making—if people are making a decision, like maybe they're on the consultancy side and they're kind of curious what it's like to be in-house or vice versa, what what kind of advice would you give somebody, like where to look for more information about making that decision? Because that is a, it's a big, it's a difference. It's a huge difference. It's a huge difference. I think I would just recommend thinking about what's important for, for, for their career, for their day-to-day life. If, if you're somebody who doesn't like ton of variety, if you're very routine, if you like to go to an office every day, then the internal is definitely the way to go. But if you're really curious and like to always be learning and growing and um, don't mind traveling around and having having to work in different environments with different all types of different people, then this is definitely a great model for that. Um, so I think it just depends kind of what you're looking for priority-wise. I mean, I think another, just another cool thing, I think, is you're, when you come to a model like ours, you know, and you have a book of, you know, 20 or 30 clients, you're you're really working with 20 or 30 different companies. So if you really like business and Mm, learning about businesses and all the different, you know, uh, missions and cultures that there are there are out there, I think that that's, um, that's something that I just really like about this, this role that I'm in. Yeah. I agree with that. It's really fun to get to see how different places operate and how they structure their culture and their core values and their benefits. And it's it's just really, it's interesting. You get to see all kinds of different models. So. And then like all the businesses too, just what they do, yeah. how they operate. And, you know, even from, you know, typically they're smaller, 
So you're, you may be working with the operations side and a marketing side and you know a business owner, so you're really getting to see um, all sides of, of some businesses, so it's pretty cool. Annie, Jenny, thank you for joining the podcast. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc. For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com. <laughs>